Hello everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when The Office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hey everyone. Today we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 26, Cafe Disco. In this episode, Michael opens a club, Pam and Jim plan a trip, and Dwight tends to a medical emergency. This entire episode feels just really phoned in, and it starts with the cold open. Yeah. In the cold open, Aaron exclaims, oh my god, I just won an art contest, and Dwight starts laughing and hands her money because he paid her to say that. Aaron's confused as to why she was supposed to say that and both Jim and Pam just say not cool to Dwight and that's literally the entire cold open yeah it's a weird making fun of Pam sort of thing but it's sort of out of character for Dwight in some respects because like why would he care yeah uh so it's just it's a very weird cold open and it it's it's sort of a filler episode, and I was surprised to see how many positive reviews this episode got. It's not that it's bad. It's just nothing really happens. It's a lot of sort of buildup. I would say the nice thing about it is there's a lot of the minor characters getting involved, which we haven't seen for several episodes now. But the... The meat of the episode comes from Michael feeling left out, basically. And then trying to get people to just be involved in his scheme. It's sort of, it's a little disjointed in that respect because the episode starts out with Michael just dancing alone in the office space that the Michael Scott Paper Company used because he still has the, quote, lease on this space, even though they weren't paying for it. Then when Michael comes upstairs with his little espresso cup just to sort of be annoying and make a joke about how he's turning into a giant, he wants to know if someone wants to have lunch with him. So a lot, like, and that's where I feel like it's getting disjointed or it's sort of wrapped up into this thing of Michael misses the Michael Scott Paper Company, the closeness and eating lunch with Pam and Ryan every day. And we saw that a little bit last episode, you know, the the club that was the Michael Scott Paper Company. But then it morphs into this, you guys are just office drones and Charles did a number on you. You know, why does no one want to come play with me sort of thing? Yeah. And even the part about him kind of missing the Michael Scott Paper Company and the camaraderie that came with it is just kind of thrown in there in one line. Like, there is no other mention of that other than this one little part. And so the rest of the episode is essentially kind of the same thing that we have seen done better in other episodes. Like you said, it's Michael just feeling distance from the rest of the office 
as he always has been because nobody actually likes him and don't wa- doesn't want to spend like time alone with him and Michael doing his best to keep people from doing actual work. And I feel like sometimes the show is inconsistent about whether Michael eats lunch alone at his desk in his office or if he goes out to the break room or the kitchen area depending on what they need for the storyline because sometimes he does sometimes he's out there and sometimes he's not like in this episode or in season two with Jim's barbecue where it's weird that he's joining the group but when it came down to the duel and whether he should be the one to tell Andy that Angela and Dwight were having an affair he was eating lunch with everyone so it's sort of a mixed bag in that respect it's one of those things where I've pointed out some inconsistencies of the show before. It's what does the the writer's room need in, in this episode? There's also the times that he went to Hooters with Jim and then he, Jim, and Oscar went to lunch when they were trying to figure out the, the printer or the chairs thing. Right, and the Benihana Christmas episode. Yeah, and so Michael's latest scheme to get people to work less and spend more time with him is cafe disco and so like Antoinette said he still has the quote lease on the michael scott paper company office space he puts an espresso machine down there he puts a stereo system down there and he says that sometimes he just goes down there to dance and so we kind of see the idea of cafe disco start to form when Aaron comes down to find Michael because she needs him to sign something and Michael's like nope you can't work down here it's just a place for fun and so Aaron ends up dancing and then Michael goes upstairs having kind of wrangled one person into this and spreads the news to everyone else in the office and nobody is really biting on it side note curtis how many stereo systems do you think are like in landfills now yeah probably a lot because i had so i would have been probably in like late middle school junior high where i had like a stereo system like the five disc changer tape deck I had the same thing radio its own speakers and everything like for my room and I know like when I did dance as a kid in every room of the dance studio same setup now there's probably just like the iHome system yeah your bluetooth stereo type Yeah. yeah and those were not those were not one cheap but two small yeah they were bulky and so there's a lot of plastic and mechanical things that went into that and electrical things that went into that yeah and sometimes like when i'm at goodwill or salvation army looking around i will still see those old time stereo things like one time we were looking for a record player back in the day and all we found were these these cd stereo systems which again i still have I know it's in my parents' basement now, but all the CDs I had as, like, a kid, teenager. Um, 
so yeah, just like when I, whenever I watch this episode, I just think of, man, no one has a stereo system like that anymore. And that was like a major thing to have in your home, um, whether you were a teenager or an adult in the 90s or 2000s, especially if you liked music. So just a tangent to pour one out for all the poor stereo systems in all the landfills around the world. No one's really intrigued by the thought of cafe disco. In fact, some people find it very confusing at first. And Michael's just getting extremely frustrated. He can't get anyone to come down and take part in this fun. And he just doesn't understand what they all have to do. You know, he is still attributing this to Charles and Charles' sort of no-nonsense policy which wasn't the worst policy in the world, especially because Michael is taking it to the extreme and just saying everyone's an office drone. And when he was in charge, the place was like Dave and Buster's. And now they've, now they're afraid and they're still acting like they're under Charles's regime. Which, of course, it wasn't actually ever those things either. Like it was in Michael's mind because Michael was the one who was always not working. And I think it has been said somewhere along the way that people in the office work harder because they know that at some point Michael's going to come in and mess everything up to where they have to go take a two-hour lunch so they can see Michael and Dwight fight at, at Dwight's dojo. Like, stuff like that. And so people, you know, Michael pictures the office as just this rambunctious good time where in reality it is people just dreading Michael coming in and trying to make it this rambunctious good time. So Michael's frustrated. He has one more scheme to just try to get people to come. And he does entice them by saying he will be there and it's all you can eat espresso. That really doesn't get anyone heading down there. So he decides to play CNC Factory's Everyone Dance Now. CNC Music Factory, whatever. It's okay, fine. Yeah. sorry. CNC Music Factory, Everyone Dance Now. And he puts the speaker close to the vent yeah so that he and a slight confusion for me is just where everything is at in this building because i did not think necessarily that dunder mifflin was right above the michael scott paper company closet it is somewhere because if you remember there was a scene where you could hear Toby talking to somebody, I think in the bathroom. That's so, right. And there's the water pipe that runs down the corner. So I have to imagine that the bathroom slash break area, break kitchen area is what is right above that closet. That's right. And that makes sense to have the bathrooms all running on the same yeah. like, pipes and whatever. Okay. So that's how he's trying to get people... And it it does start to work. You know, Kevin's jamming out. Dwight's kind of bobbing his head and Meredith. And so then Phyllis is like, what the hell? I'm going to go down there. So she's the first one 
to take the plunge. Michael's kind of surprised. He didn't think that it worked because Phyllis made a detour to tell Bob to come with her, to come dancing. So she's a little hesitant when she gets in there. And Michael's overjoyed and they start dancing. But unfortunately, Phyllis throws her back out. And here's where we get one of those just weird Michael reactions where he is kind of being a terrible person. Yeah, he's mad at Phyllis for ruining Cafe Disco. Right. So he calls Dwight and says that there's a medical emergency, but really he's most focused on getting Phyllis out of Cafe Disco because as he says, nobody's want to go <laughs> nobody wants to go to a place where there's a woman writhing around on the floor. And so he gets Phyllis out of there and up into the conference room and just kind of like tries to assuage everybody's feelings about Cafe Disco and says, you know, it's it's a fun place. It's not somewhere you're going to get hurt or anything like that. Not that, again, not that anybody was really like rushing down there to go anyway. And so, like I said, it is just this weird thing where Michael is focused on himself rather than somebody else. Michael trying to talk people into Cafe Disco still is not working. And at this point, he has had enough. So he tells Aaron to close up Cafe Disco and lock it up. And that's the end of it. And he's all pissy about it. Right. And he tells everyone that... They took a life today, the life of the party. And then he just goes into his office and sort of slams the door. And it is at this point where the episode that was already just kind of struggling along takes an even more unexpected turn because when Aaron goes down to close Cafe Disco, Kelly comes with her apparently, and they hit the lights and turn on the music and they start dancing. <laughs> And then for some reason, one of the Vance refrigeration guys comes by and sees that Aaron and Kelly are dancing in this room. He goes and gets one of his coworkers and is like, hey, there's girls dancing in this room. So they go and join. And then more people start showing up until eventually Michael can hear the music in Cafe Disco and goes down to investigate. Yeah, it's sort of weird that Kelly wasn't interested in it until Aaron was, like, shutting it down. There's no explanation to it, and I agree with you. It sort of takes a, a weird turn of events because it just seems like the writers and, and the showrunners just wanted this to happen without Michael so then he could sort of marvel in that the fact that it was happening at all. And it really does take off from there. Oscar and Kevin are down there. Meredith. Aaron has invited a friend. Kevin has found Lynn. Like, which is which was totally unacknowledged. Like, I believe this is the last time we'll ever see Lynn. They're dancing. At one point, they're making out in the corner to YMCA. Yeah, she just happens to be there. And it just grows and grows from there. 
at another point, Andy and Kelly have sort of this weird dance-off sort of thing, which if you've ever been to like homecoming or prom, there's always, you know, two kids that are having a dance-off and everyone's like watching. So that kind of reminded me of that. (laughs) Except no one did the worm. Yeah, it's always inevitable that at any place there is music, whether it be a prom or a homecoming or a wedding, eventually a circle just naturally forms and like people just get in the middle and dance. Like it just happens and I don't know why. Human instinct. And that's really all that happens the rest of the episode. Like Michael just is ecstatic that people are down there and he doesn't like revel in it at all. And it, it's just it just oh people are dancing now and that's that's it. It's a little bit like Casino Night where we just get these like little check-ins with the minor characters and how they're doing. You know, Angela is hating every moment of it. She has work that needs to be done, but Michael says that he'll only sign one piece of paper for every song that she's there she wants to clean up because that's fun to her like she has disapproved of cafe disco the entire episode but it she feels like she's forced to be there like i said kevin's with lynn oscar's just sort of a wallflower but like enjoying himself he's not really doesn't seem like a big dancer Creed brings in a disco ball that was in his car to serve as his rearview mirror. Aaron is sort of a weird dancer, in my opinion. Meredith is there. The only person that's not uh, is Stanley. Uh, I don't think he makes his way down. We'll We'll touch on Phyllis and Dwight here in a little bit, and we'll touch on Jim and Pam here in a little bit, but... Otherwise, yeah, it's sort of a casino night situation where everyone's there, everyone's having a good time, and it's sort of just as a check-in on how they're doing. As you said, Jim and Pam are not really part of Cafe Disco, and that is because they have other plans for the day. At one point in the episode, Aaron kind of announces to the office at large that somebody left a printed out sheet of directions to Youngstown, Ohio, most specifically the courthouse in Youngstown, Ohio. And Dwight kind of questions this just because he's a weirdo. And we learn that Jim and Pam are the ones planning on going to Youngstown, Ohio so they can get married. Yes. In a one-on-one with the camera, they say that they have decided that they're getting married today because when they're eating breakfast together, Jim looked up and said, I just want to marry you today. And so they found the nearest place that didn't have a three-day waiting period for the marriage license. And they decided they were just going to do it because wedding planning is complicated and expensive. And as we've said before, we haven't gotten any sort of information after their engagement as to what sort of wedding they're planning and when it's going to be. We had a lot more information about Pam's wedding to Roy than we do with her engagement and wedding to Jim. 
and we've touched on it in this podcast before, like our, our own wedding planning. It is expensive and it does seem like you can't leave people out um, because a lot of people have opinions on who should be invited to weddings. And maybe that's changed with the pandemic. I know some people have changed their weddings up, but some people haven't. They just went ahead and did what they had planned, especially depending on what state you're living in. But other people realized that they just wanted to be married and were fine with having a Zoom wedding or having 10 people there or having a courthouse wedding with just their closest friends and family, which is tough if you wanted just sort of the reception part that goes with it. We enjoy dancing and we don't really get the opportunity to do that outside of weddings. So that was an important feature for us in our wedding planning. And I do think that that's something that people in this, the time of coronavirus, I've still done like it is a, okay, we're going to do our courthouse wedding. And then, you know, whenever we can, we're going to do a reception, like a celebration of it, essentially. So you're not doing the ceremony part of it all out you're still doing the reception part and in in f- keeping with this episode even in this storyline and in the other one that we see everything is still very half formed because as Jim and Pam get ready to leave for the day and go to Youngstown to get married they are all dressed up Jim has picked some flowers from the side of the building and they're getting ready to leave and they can hear what's going on in Cafe Disco and Jim's like, eh, we should probably stop by. It would mean a lot to him. When he, they didn't care about that before. They knew it would mean a lot to Michael to just join him in Cafe Disco and now it's just like, well, I guess we should go. Right. They didn't go earlier in the day. And I have to imagine, I didn't look it up, but I can't imagine Youngstown, Ohio to Scranton, Pennsylvania is, you know, a short drive. I bet they couldn't make that drive on time if they left, like, at the beginning of the day, much less seemingly in the middle of the afternoon. Right, because even if you're having a courthouse wedding, you still have to schedule it. Like, you still need the judge. Yeah, and Scranton is in northeast Pennsylvania, and Youngstown is in Ohio, obviously. So Pennsylvania is a somewhat long state. I have to imagine that's at least a five-hour drive. And so when they stop in to Cafe Disco and see what's going on they kind of get sucked into the vibe and they start dancing and it makes them realize that they do want all of the things that come with a wedding so they want the ceremony they want the pomp and circumstance they want the reception and the dancing and the music and all of that stuff and so they decide not to get married that day. And I guess my annoyance with how this unfolds is, one, I just remember that the soundbite of Pam saying, 
we're getting married today, like really excitedly, was a sort of teaser thing on NBC for that episode. Oh, yeah. And so it didn't, and it, it really didn't have anything to do with the episode. It was just, like I said, a sort of teaser thing. But I think my annoyance is it sounds as though Jim was the one that had the idea. They're like, okay, let's do it. When they're at Cafe Disco dancing to YMCA, I don't know if it was Jim or Pam that said, oh, this is cheesy. But then Pam's response is, I like cheesy. I think I want a wedding. And then Jim's like, me too. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I, I understand what you're saying here and I agree. But I guess you have to, as they were doing that interstitial with the camera they were pam kept like interrupting jim and so she had interrupted him about how like expensive it is for a wedding and how hard it is to plan so i have to imagine like this is was a conversation that they have had before and they've maybe just like teased it where it's like well maybe what if we just did a courthouse wedding like what if and so that was jim just kind of acting on those what ifs that they have had before sure and there's an entire netflix show about mortgage or marriage like yes weddings are expensive we talked about it a lot on this podcast about the wedding industrial complex and wedding markup and everything that goes into it i mean it is very expensive to feed people for a party even if you're just planning to have a party with 50 people you still need to find a space. You still need to have food. So then if you multiply that by three, you know, the, maybe the average size of a wedding is about 125, 150. Yeah, it gets, it does get pretty pricey, unfortunately. And it just comes down to food and drink for the most part. So no wedding's going to take place. We know that next episode is the season finale for this season. So it also could be a bit of a tease of, okay, well, maybe their wedding's going to be coming up. Like, we don't have that information. We don't know when they're, you know, looking at it as a summer wedding. It's it's really been pretty sparse as far as that. Yeah. And then the other small storyline we see in this episode is kind of a bonding moment, if you even want to call it that, between Dwight and Phyllis. When Phyllis throws her back out in Cafe Disco, Michael imparts Dwight to just kind of deal with that. And Dwight employs some of the knowledge that he has learned from his years on the farm to kind of relieve Phyllis's back pain. And essentially, Dwight uses tactics that he would use on a horse to... Uh, relieve horseback pain i don't know like they don't really yeah, go into was... that at all and so dwight is essentially giving phyllis a massage and they just kind of talk about stuff and it is all these just like half formed things like it is they put two people in a room that don't normally like interact with each other and that's really about it. Like, there is not any bonding that goes on. Well, Phyllis and Dwight have bonded before, though, over Angela and what he should do and how to handle that situation. That's true. 
Now, Phyllis was the one that called out Angela, basically, in front of the office at Moroccan Christmas. So it's been a bit of an uneven relationship with Phyllis and Dwight when Dwight wasn't looking for her advice on what to do. They weren't having interactions. Now, Phyllis does admit to Dwight as he's you know, doing the work on her back that she is afraid that Bob is going to cheat on her with his new secretary, who does look similar to Phyllis. However, as soon as she says it, she laughs and says, as when I say it out loud, I know it's silly. It was just sort of a fear she needed to confront. And then it's never really brought up any further or, you know, Dwight doesn't do anything with that information. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's something that's introduced in a 30 second scene earlier in the episode and then is immediately done away with, with one line and a laugh. Like it's just, like I said, it is half formed like the rest of this episode is. Yeah, it's not the best written episode. Like, it is fun. It is light. There, you know, it doesn't have emotional depth or character development or anything. But it is not, in kind of our opinions, the best written episode. It, it does feel like a lot of filler in some respects. So Dwight is able to get Phyllis to a point where she's able to actually stand. They go back down to Cafe Disco she asked him to dance and he said normally I would say no to dancing but he really likes a song and she needs to be moving because of you know can't have lactic acid buildup and kind of as soon as they start dancing Bob comes over um and says you know can I cut in to dance with my wife or can I steal my wife away and that gives Dwight an opportunity to say that you can't steal what is legally yours um which of course, that would be Dwight's viewpoints on marriage and property. And so that really does it for the episode. So let's go to the Annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about the episode. Not very many fun facts. I was sort of surprised to learn. As we've said before in the Frame Toby episode, those two Vance Refrigeration guys are actually writers for the show. And Ed Helms has said that this was a very tough episode for him because he himself does not feel like he's a very good dancer. And Andy's character is a dancer. So he found those scenes to be very challenging and and very physically uh, draining. He was very sore after filming the episode. Which is just funny because there's another episode coming up in season six in which he has a lot of dancing. Yeah. Otherwise, I just want to point out, I think John Krasinski is an awful dancer. Not that anyone really stood out as just an amazing dancer from, and and they could have sort of been in character, but I kind of get the impression that John Krasinski dancing as Jim is how John Krasinski would, would dance. Yeah, he pulls out like the like third to fifth grader move of you you just jump around like while the music's playing and he doesn't know what to do with his arms or anything he does not have any rhythm yeah so the distance from scranton to youngstown ohio is four and a half hours so 
we've never gotten a great sense of time uh, sometimes with the show, but I don't get the sense that Jim and Pam are leaving in enough time to make it, to make that four and a half hour drive. There's probably a lot of traffic on that uh, path too, and then to apply for the license and then be able to see a judge like this isn't just a one or a half day sort of event we know that it's at least after lunch because michael begrudgingly eats his lunch alone exactly so i i don't think they're gonna make it curtis did we have anyone get fired this episode originally i thought no because nobody does anything flagrant but i think michael gets fired here for just allowing cafe disco to happen like i have to imagine at some point in the afternoon when everybody is downstairs somebody is calling the front desk or is trying to get a hold of jim or phyllis or whomever to talk business and nobody's answering the phones and so i have to imagine at least one person is calling corporate and like hey i've been trying to get a hold of so-and-so in Scranton all day or is, is their office closed like what's the deal and so eventually Charles is going to have to deal with this <laughs> yeah. and he's going to find out that nobody is working and blame it all on Michael because well that's who deserves the blame here especially with the client upheaval of the Michael Scott paper company and the merger buyout It doesn't seem like a good time. And I do recall that we fired Michael for Movie Mondays back in season three. So this feels like a very similar slash bigger thing to Movie Mondays. So I think you're right on that. It is Michael's 11th firing this season. It's his 48th overall. Antoinette, what is your Dundee for this episode? My Dundee Award is Homecoming King and Queen, which goes to Jim and Pam. And the reason I say that is because they look like they're going to homecoming because they're dressed up for their wedding. So instead of like changing when they're going to leave or when they get to the courthouse, Pam has decided that she's going to wear a sort of bubblegum pink strapless dress all day, mid-length, with a sweater over it to hide the fact that it's strapless and kind of a fancier dress. And Jim looks a little bit more put together, I would say. He doesn't have his sleeves rolled up. He's wearing a white shirt instead of blue. He's kind of wearing a a nicer tie, I, I would say. And so together, like when they're leaving the building, they, they look like they're going to homecoming. <laughs> and a, this episode aired in 2009, and that was the style of party dress, I would say. You know, strapless, mid-length, A-line dress, and, and a little bit of a, she's wearing her hair half up, like a little bit of a twist, nothing too fancy. And then with the flowers and everything, it's like... It's like when you had to gather at someone's house to take the pictures before mm-hmm. you went to the dance. What is your Dundee? I swear we didn't talk about this before <laughs> this. My Dundee is, that's the best you could do. <laughs> and it goes to Pam because my exact thoughts were, she looks like she's going to homecoming. <laughs> and not even prom where you might wear a, like a slightly nicer dress. Right. She looks like she's going to homecoming. So way to... 
go all out for your wedding that you decided that you wanted to have 24 hours ago. Some people do simpler for their wedding. I guess. You could, but there were, there, I'm sure there were a multitude of things that she could have worn that wasn't like super flashy, but still nice and not, I'm going to homecoming. I think part of the what screams homecoming is the bubblegum pink. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's the whole, like the dress yeah. looks like homecoming. Like yeah. she wouldn't wear that to a, like a, a nice dinner or, no. or somebody else's wedding. No, yeah, it, it's not. So, it's not a cocktail dress. So I guess the question is, is that at in in your late twenties, early thirties, where you know, however old Pam is, why do you still have that dress? Where else are you wearing that? I think she said she's thirty in one of the more recent episodes. I mean. That's the type of dress, unfortunately, that will sit in your closet. Now they have, or in more recent years, they have these sort of like dress exchange things for girls that don't have the means to get a dress, which is a really good way to do that because a lot of these dresses, particularly, um, I think they're, I, I don't know what the style is now, but the style used to be like rhinestoned up. Do you remember that? Was that yeah. past? Okay. Used to be like crazy amount of like fake diamond look. And you can't wear that anywhere else. Like you really can't. Or uh, just sequins or glitter, that sort of look. So these dress exchange things are actually really, really good way to do that. And these dresses are way overpriced. My dad when we would come back from that, he'd be like, you have got to be kidding me. For one night, you've spent 300 maybe plus, depending on that, and then the shoes and accessories, then to get your hair and makeup done, and then the stupid Yahoo that you're going to prom with is going to rent a tux for, what, 50 bucks? No, it's more than that. Okay, what is a tux rental? Um, probably like 150 to 200 Really? Yeah. Oh my God, that's also outrageous. Yeah, yeah, for something that you're gonna give back and 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 yeah. that probably doesn't fit you properly. Yeah. I mean, that could be the that could be the wedding markup on them. Like oh, that's I, true. But I'm sure the prom markup isn't much better. So no, and why? So okay, answer this. So for prom, why a tux? Why not just a nice suit? I guess if you owned a nice suit, like I have to imagine that if I owned the kind of suits that I have now or I had access to a suit like that I could get away with that okay so yeah I don't yeah I can't but it's also so you can like get the vest and bow tie combination to match your date's dress and things like that. that yeah and I always ordered the flowers did you I did that you ordered the flowers yeah Man, I got the shaft. <laughs> I feel like that was the that's the deal. Like, I don't know. Well, I will say, you know, I'm a feminist. Uh, very proud of it. I asked my junior prom date, so I maybe that put the onus on me. Maybe. And and that's not something to celebrate. Anyone can ask anybody to go to prom or homecoming, like, sure. you know. But it seemed like a big deal at the time. I. This will probably not shock you at all. I asked all 
of my dates, but I am barely certain that with every single one, like a third party came in and said, hey, so-and-so would like to go to homecoming slash prom with you. Did you want to go with that person? Uh, I mean, I at no point was I like in a relationship with anybody or like courting somebody. So there was never a natural like oh we're so we're gonna go together Mm -hmm. type thing and so i guess those people weren't necessarily on my radar but like i at the same time it wasn't just like a no i'm i'm good did you have a good time yeah i had a good time yeah i went to all the school dances with the same two people for all of them not at the same time, um, but just interspersed. And I was never in a relationship with either. Who is your employee of the month? I chose Stanley. And I touched on this briefly before. Stanley makes it out without having to go to Cafe Disco. And he gets to take a nap in the office the whole time. So why not? Who's your employee of the month? I chose Erin because she makes some money at the very beginning of the episode. But also because this is the first episode where we kind of see her character not necessarily flushed out. Like we get more of that in the later seasons. But she is more than just a background person slash somebody's going to say one thing to her and she responds. And that's her only line of the entire episode. She gets a lot of camera time in this episode for the first time. Ellie Kemper is still listed as a guest star. Uh, at this stage but yes and Daryl watch continues we still don't have Daryl I mean yes we've added Aaron in but it has been a bit we saw Daryl very briefly last episode but it has been a bit since he has been a player in a storyline yeah so that does it for this week's episode please be sure to follow us on Twitter at downsizing pod to get all the latest updates and be sure to keep listening to us on Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts Spotify wherever you're listening to us be sure to rate subscribe like and comment wherever you can in order to get our name out there we appreciate you guys listening and we will see you next time bye bye